Welcome to the rooftop. We are here for another waterline article series, which is scarcity drives behavior. Now, these waterline articles build on one another. Um, there are 27 of them inspired by T.E. Lawrence, Lawrence of Arabia, who wrote 27 articles around the lessons he learned in working with the Badu tribes in World War I for British officers and NCOs who he felt like would come behind him and also have to do this kind of local work. And these 27 articles were an inspiration to me when I was a Green Beret going through the qualification course, when I was working with Afghan tribes, even though Lawrence said that these were really only for the tribes in Syria. But the reality is we're, there, there were some universal uh, aspects to these 27 articles. And listen, if you get a chance, you should really check these 27 articles of Lawrence of Arabia out because they apply to everyday human connection. Um, and as you hear my dog chew his bone over here, Luke, come on, man, cut me some slack, dude. Um, so, uh, so far we've gone over article number one, define your red lines before you engage. Article number two, make uh, meet them where they are, not where you want them to be. Article number three, get below the waterline, where we talked about that iceberg at the modern uh, modern world on at the tip of the iceberg, and then the traditional world below uh, the waterline, which is that meaning-seeking, emotional, social storyteller who struggles. Um, article number four, when shit gets tough, people get primal. Article number five, pay attention to status. And article number six, which is where we are right now, scarcity drives behavior. And, you know, I would go a step further on this in this time of great resignation, the talent tsunami as we, what we're at the recording of this anyway, we're, we're two years into the pandemic where persistent fear, epic uncertainty and prolonged isolation have just wrapped businesses, nonprofits, schools and, and individuals in ways that we don't even understand. We're going to be sorting ourselves out for the next couple of decades. Um, and it wasn't our greatest leadership hour either in how we dealt with this as a society. But all that aside, one thing that we can take away from this pandemic that speaks to this whole notion of scarcity drives behavior. And again, this is going to be a lens for you as you look at your own behavior and the behavior of those around you. Is that, man, change freaks people out. <laughs> Yet the leaders that I'm seeing these days are oblivious to that reality. When COVID hit, I have never seen so much organizational change in my life. Now, everybody is proud of the pivot. I get it. I am not in any way insinuating business owners and entrepreneurs and leaders who made great headway uh, in what you did to overcome the pandemic. I'm not insinuating in any way um, that that pivot wasn't necessary because it sure was. But you had to do a lot of change, didn't you? You had to bring about a lot of organizational change, and the bottom line is change freaks people out. And you can sit there and throw all the PowerPoint slides about your vision that you want. You can you can you can sit there and um, you know really make points in your in your um, in your all hands meetings, but the reality is that change scares the hell out of people. It puts them in a primal state and fear-based behavior takes over. And it doesn't matter how much logic you have behind it. Um, when mergers happen, when acquisitions happen, when organizational changes happen as a result of external or internal factors, people freak out. 
and and leaders just can't seem to get their head around that. So maybe just understanding that scarcity drives behavior is is going to help you do that, right? Um, I just recently I was working with um, I was working with an organization on a merger that they were going through, a big, big, big company, and um, you know they they had a, a plan in place for the merger, obviously, but the plan was completely transactional, and they were taking these two cultures and they were just squashing them together, right? And they were briefing them on this like in PowerPoint slides, kind of at the at the eleventh hour. And here's how we're going to do it. Here's how we're going to do it. And it was completely just talking at the people uh, in a remote work environment, by the way, so where there's already high stress. And then they just scratched their heads and they were perplexed when they saw their all associate engagement scores just plummeting, right? And the morale in their company just going down to such a low level. And they just, what's going on? You know, this merger makes all the financial sense in the world. It brings the best of both cultures together. I don't understand why this is happening. Why are people leaving? Why are people walking away? And the reality is change freaks people out and, and the scarcity mindset takes over. And so as we lead through these challenging times, I, I, I believe it's a very helpful tool for leaders like you as, as you deal with the necessity of change, volatility, uncertainty, complexity, and ambiguity it's a very helpful tool to just recognize that that change is going to freak people out and that scarcity drives behavior. And so the question is not that you're not going to go through the change, but how do we deal with the scarcity? In other words, how do we get below the waterline and meet people where they are, not where we want them to be? How do we recognize the local reality, the human dynamic of scarcity as it affects human beings in real time? That's all, right? And not apply this narrow-minded, uninformed, untrained mindset of a transactional initiative where we just expect people to deal with the change, right? Because humans, by, by definition, typically want to have order in their lives. They want to have order. They need order in their lives. They need to have meaning established in their lives. And when it's a little ball of chaos is dropped into that, they go right to you know, the Maslow's needs on the lowest level of the pyramid. Am I going to, am I safe? You know, am I going to lose my, 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 my resources that I need to survive? Am I going to be able to feed my family? That's where their minds go. And guess what else too? Because the brain is a metaphorical pattern matching organ, they're going to match patterns to make sense of their new reality off neural story maps from the past. And what do you think most people's neural story maps are about organizational change and mergers in times of crisis, right? They're probably not super happy memories. In fact, I can tell you most of the companies that I've worked with and helping them step through their mergers and overcome trust barriers, most of the, the associates' memories are really bad. And their neural story maps, the patterns they go to to make sense of the – to establish new patterns – they're already forming these false narratives in their mind, and they're projecting a future that is not even what you're trying to do. But this is the reality. This is what scarcity does. It drives a primal behavior, a fear-based behavior, where the brains of your associates, they have to make sense of the new reality, and they use patterns to do it, and they use old patterns. And most of those old patterns are not going to be good patterns. They're not going to be good patterns at all. They're going to be the kind of things that freak them out. And, and even though their last merger or their last organizational change 
was bad and this one is not going to be bad, it doesn't matter. That's not their perceived reality, right? So, you know, it's just we have to recognize that scarcity drives behavior. And how are we going to deal with that as leaders, right? How are we going to lead through that? Because, look, all mammals fear not having enough, including humans. And we learned to assert our status, like we talked about in the last article, to ensure that we have what we needed to survive and to continue our bloodline, right? That's how we have survived for tens of thousands of years, and it is still very, very much in our DNA and in our blood memory. And it shows up, as Russell Brunson says, in our daily behavior around status, but also it shows up in our perception of resource scarcity. And it really is important, you all, for you to use this as another filter, for assessing decisions and actions. These emotional realities of of fear and status, they really need to be considered in how we lead ourselves and how we lead those around us. So before you put in a new policy on the street or make a change in the management structure, consider how scarcity might show up in the behavior of the people you lead. Just ask yourself that question. Ask your senior leadership team that question. You know, when we announce this, how what, what are some of the primal fear-based questions that people are going to ask themselves? And then write those questions down and go take the issue away, as Professor Stuart Diamond says. Go head those issues off. Even if you, when you announce the organizational change or the merger, and you've made an attempt to answer those questions, put them into the announcement. Now, I know many of you are wondering right now what this is going to do to your immediate you know, job security. Well, he, he, listen, put your minds at ease. Now, if it's going to affect their immediate job security, you probably want to address that too. But how you do that is important. And I'm not going to pretend to tell you how to do that because there's different ways that you would have to mitigate that. But it might include you know, going and engaging people one-on-one who are going to be at risk beforehand or giving whatever hard news you have to give beforehand. But taking the issue away and addressing the issue head on and giving new patterns to people is, is, is really important. Now there's one other piece of advice that Dr. Kendall Haven gave me on his podcast. And you'll remember Kendall Haven is one of my favorite story thought leaders, but he's also really good on human dynamics and, 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 and helping people like Rooftop does lead through mergers. And one of the things that Kendall said that I just loved is when you think about your announcement to your people, or you're going to talk about change and you want to mitigate resource scarcity is before you talk about the things you're going to change, which is the typical response that most leaders do in the modern transactional world, is talk about what you're fighting to preserve. How about that? Talk about what where you've been as an organization and what matters and what you stand for and what you're fighting to preserve at all costs. Because when you do that, you evoke the struggle that everyone has been through and you give people a sense of themselves both individually and collectively. And it creates this sense of psychological safety and human connection and shared future, which Daniel Coyle in his book, The Culture Code, says is absolutely necessary for a high-performing culture, right? So instead of talking about, like, this is all the stuff we're going to change, talk about what we're fighting to preserve first. Then, hey, would it be okay if I shared with you and maybe get some input from the audience as well about what's important to preserve? And then pivot into, would it be okay if, if I share with you what we're going to have to change to ensure we preserve that? 
and then go into it. Now, that's not a silver bullet, but I've seen that work really, really well. And it is a thoughtful way to approach. And just thinking through, not just yourself, but as a senior leadership team or as a team, what are the scarcity mindset items that are going to come up in our people's minds? What's on their mind? And then even after the talk, engaging at a local level, being an empathetic witness to your people and asking them thoughtful, open-ended questions that, that really get at, okay, based on what you heard, you know, what are your goals in all of this and what are your pain points? What are your fears? And meet people where they are, not where you want them to be. Meet them down below that waterline and get clarity on the pictures in their heads and tell your subordinate leaders to do the same thing and continue to over-communicate on that. But look, this you may think this is kumbaya stuff, you all, but I'm telling you, this is the biology of how humans are wired. And high-performing organizations, this is what they do. They create psychological safety. They ensure there's a sense of human connection. And they ensure that there's a shared future, a perceived shared future. And if you don't alleviate scarcity, there's no way in hell that the people in your team are going to feel safe or your family. We have to run scarcity off first. We have to reduce that emotional temperature. We have to get them out of that trance-like state, that sympathetic nervous system and overdrive of fight, flight, or freeze because that's where people go when they get scared, when they think they're just going to have to survive. And that's all they're thinking about is trying to survive. They don't have the higher intelligence functions. They need to even process the merger you're talking about. So really thinking about scarcity differently is such an important thing as we address the challenges and the complexities of the world that we live in and the change that it necessitates. All right, really great work, everybody. Um, We're going to move into article number seven in our next episode, which is people won't follow you unless they feel safe. And it, man, it just speaks to what we just talked about. We're going to build on it. We're just going to keep going deeper on this. Every one of these articles is either a lens, a lever, or both for you to meet people where they are, not where you want them to be, build Strong connection, reciprocity, where the other party wants to follow you, not because they have to, but because they choose to. And this is the kind of social capital that the leaders who thrive are going to be building in these volatile, uncertain, complex, and ambiguous times. Thanks for what you do, and I will see you on the rooftop. (laughs) 